Today, we're going to talk to one of the pioneers of geocaching. I think it's going to be a great time. Let's get started. This is it. It's time for the Where Is It Now Geocaching Podcast, where you can escape the muggles in your life for almost, but not quite, 30 minutes. This podcast is sponsored by the Four State Geocaching Society and was recorded at Digital Planet Studios near Joplin, Missouri. Now let's welcome our host, Where Is It Now? Well, let's see if we can get our guest on the phone. Good morning, Tim. Good morning. How are you doing today? Hey, well, I'm doing great. I've got a hot cup of coffee and I'm ready to get started uh, hearing about your story. To get started, why don't you tell us your geo name? My geo name is Migoy, M-I-G-O-I. Okay, I'll admit it. I made you say your name because I wasn't sure how to pronounce it. So how did you come up with that? Uh, well, I came up with that geo name because when I first got married, uh, we were living in Hawaii and several groups of my wife's friends came over to see us. I was also still in the Navy and going to sea on submarines. And every time someone came to see us, I was out to sea on a submarine. So they declared that I was a mythical creature. They really didn't exist. Um, and so when it came time to choose a name, Yeti or Bigfoot or Sasquatch seemed a little bit obvious. So I looked around to see some names of other mythical creatures, ran across the Bhutanese word for Yeti. Their version of Yeti is Migoi, M-I-G-O-I, and so I adopted that, um, and that's what I've used uh, ever since I started geocaching. Well, I'm glad you were able to get on the uh, call with us today. Now, you live in Arkansas now, is that correct? I do. I live just outside of West Fork, Arkansas, which is south of Fayetteville. You moved here from Hawaii to Arkansas. Now, is there, what's the story behind that? Um, I actually grew up in Arkansas. I lived down in central Arkansas for a while. I graduated from Springdale High School before I joined the Navy. Um, left here when I was 17, married someone in the Navy. I got out of the Navy. She stayed in. We stayed overseas for a long time. Went back to Hawaii. She decided to retire. And so we moved back to Arkansas. Well, did you experience a little bit of shell shock coming back to uh, a different type of weather? It, there was at first. We moved here 10 years ago. Um, and if you'll remember, well, almost 11 years ago now, in um, the fall of 2008. And if you were around in this area in the winter of 2009, you'll remember that horrendous ice storm that locked everything up for a couple of weeks. We were trying to move into our house in the middle of that ice storm. If um, that happens again, that we're moving back to Hawaii. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I was looking at some pictures before we got online and I, I, I was questioning your sanity. <laughs> well, uh, Hawaii is very expensive. It's a lot cheaper in West Fork, Arkansas than it is in Pearl City, Hawaii. Uh, we're having a good time here. It's a great place. If you like the outdoors, we own a motorcycle. Uh, we ride it around quite a bit. It's a lot of good motorcycle roads out here. A lot of good geocaching. Absolutely. You're one of the pioneers of geocaching. Do you think of yourself that way? Uh, no, I think of myself as a frustrated person um, that finally decided that since it wasn't really happening in Hawaii, uh, that I needed to make it happen. Um, 
there. Uh, when I first got a got a uh, GPS, which was um, in May of 2000, right after I read an article about the removing of the selective availability, so it became a, a useful tool for civilians. Um, that's what I asked for for my birthday. That's what I got. Uh, I was looking around one day on the internet to find out what I could do with this marvelous little toy, and I found geocaching. And so I looked up Hawaii, where we were living at the time, and there were no geocaches in Hawaii. And so I thought, well, that's a bust, and moved on and thought about it for a while. And so then in July of 2000, I wandered out into a state park in Hawaii with a three-gallon bucket from the hardware store filled with toys and a logbook and tied it to a tree. Uh, not being a real inventive fellow, the name of that geocache is geocache. It was only later I figured out you could actually, should actually name them something besides geocache. Cause honestly, I didn't know if this was going to take off. Um, over the sec next seven months, I didn't know if it was going to take off because it was seven months after I tied that bucket to a tree that someone went out there and found it. We have talked about this geocache twice on our podcast, and I didn't really put that together until I got ready for this interview, but the first time was in the oldest caches, surviving caches in the United States, So, and I think that was on the last episode that came out yesterday or two days ago. And so we're on that podcast. And then there was another one, and I may have said, and then here's a geocache named geocache, right? Kind of funny. You, yeah, you did that. <laughs> so it's your GC number. What's the GC number? Uh, 23, GC 23. Wow. And it's it's still uh, running and people visit it. I get still get logs from it every week. Uh, a, a geocaching family named GeoGerms uh, took it over when I left. Uh, they were very gracious about that to keep it going. Um, the geocaching community in, our, in Hawaii at that time felt very strongly that that cache being the first one in the state of Hawaii needed to be kept going. Um, and they, I had several volunteers. And so there's like three layers deep of volunteers to, to keep it maintained and um, to go out and do uh, whatever needs to be done to keep it running. I was looking at the stats on, on the page for your geocache and officially maintenance has been done 13 times. I imagine in the beginning that wasn't even a log type or an attribute. And I imagine it's been maintained a lot more than that. Probably more than that because, I mean, while I was there doing it, I used to go out there regularly just to check it out That in that first seven months before I found it. For the first two months, I walked out there every week just to make sure that someone hadn't signed the log and 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 forgot to log it or whatever, that maybe somebody stumbled across it. And then I, I went out there once a month or so just to check on it. Um, I eventually had to replace the bucket uh, with another bucket, and then it was replaced with an ammo can uh, after that. Um, but, I mean, it, it's it's a pretty well visited cache and everything. Um, the first bucket wasn't ideal. It was hard to put the lid on and it flooded a couple of times um, because it rains a lot in Hawaii. Well, I bet it does rain a lot there. You know, I was looking at some other stats and you've had 1,776 people find that cache that, you know, logged it and there's a smiley face for it. Only 30 DNFs, that's pretty impressive. And you have 550 favorites 
that have been awarded that cash and 694 images good lord so many images i think that's a testament to how well liked the cache is and how respected it is i noticed a lot of those images showed muddy boots and muddy feet so i'm going to keep that in mind when i go i'm curious though 550 favorites i looked and that's only 46 percent of their premium members gave it a favorite. I think we have to hunt them down and and ask them why. <laughs> um, I don't know, you know, and it was entirely by accident, but that cache actually has uh, some interesting features on it. One, as you're coming in on the trail, your, your numbers get smallest at the wrong approach. Uh, down below it, and if you leave the trail to try to get to the cache at that point, you've got a hard climb in front of you. Um, if you keep walking for a little bit longer, you go around the curve and you curve up to the top of it, and then you can walk 50 feet into the woods and pick it up. Um, the other thing that's interesting about it is I apparently hit the epicenter of that curve. When you're going around that curve, the, your distance to the cache doesn't change for probably 150 or 200 feet as you're curving around. And that was entirely accidental. I didn't know that until later when I actually followed my GPS out there. There was no reason for me to follow it to find the cache. I knew where the thing was, but I was following a GPS one day and I noticed that the numbers didn't change for a long time as you were walking on that corner. I mean, around the, that curve in the trail to get up above it. So those are a couple of things that have led people astray. Um, some of them that left the trail too soon might not have favored it because it such a heinous crime, heinous climb up the side of that hill. Um, um, but it, it's worked out very well. There's a bunch more caches on that trail now. It's about a five-mile loop trail in Aiea, Hawaii. Uh, there's a whole bunch of caches on it now. Um, and th But that one's still there, and, and I seeing the logs all the time. People, um, when they visit Hawaii, make that one place, the place they absolutely know they need to go visit. Absolutely. I still need geocaches in three states and Hawaii is one of those states. I don't know how I'm ever going to get it because if I tell my wife I want to go to Hawaii to get a geocache, that's not going to fly. And even worse to say, I'm going to go to geo, I'm going to go get a geocache without you in Hawaii. I don't know how to make any of this work. I was looking at some of the logs and then I looked at your description and I, I found it funny how many times you had to say, not uphill, not uphill, capital letters. I got a lot of complaints about it's not a, it's not a terrain one. You know, when I, I rated it, I rated it on the fact that I hiked that trail most of the time in flip-flops. I didn't, I didn't put on hiking boots. It's a little bit muddy most of the time because it rains a lot up in there. There's one real small stream during the rainy parts uh, that you have to kind of go through uh, in, in one switchback. And again, I, I didn't want the, it to be hard. If you go ahead and follow the trail around that curve, it's, it really is, you can walk out there in flip-flops 50 feet off the trail, uh, pretty much level with the trail. It slopes down just a little bit. It gets real steep 
about 20 feet after you go past the geocache. And that's where the problem comes because a trail down below that, then you're going almost vertically up the hill. Uh, it's a very steep hill between the lower part of the trail and the geocache. Um, so to avoid that and avoid people getting hurt by trying to climb something I never meant them to climb, I, I modified the description to say not uphill. Yeah, I was reading the, the, uh, some of the logs today, and even a few of the last recent cachers complained about what a hard climb it was. They just must not be reading the de uh, description. Yeah, and they still, they still talk about that in logs sometimes, but I don't know what else I can do and, except move back to Hawaii and stand there at that bottom part of the trail and say, don't go this way. <laughs> I, I looked at a picture of it because when you kept saying easy hike, I wanted to get a picture of it, so I have it on my screen. I can't. I could share it with you. Well, I will share it with you. I'm looking at the picture of, you know, the topography of it, and I. When you said it's just an easy hike and an easy trail, now you say in the description that you're that. Did you say lazy? Is that how you described yourself? I did. La I am lazy. <laughs> I, maybe I'm lazier than you because I looked at this map and thought, good Lord, I don't know if I can walk that far. How far is it? Uh, just under a mile. Well, I could do that. On this picture we're looking at, it looks like five, six, seven miles. Oh, no, no, no. It, it's just under a mile if you park. It's, a, it's about four miles if you park at the wrong parking lot and come in the opposite direction on the trail. If you come in from the lower parking lot, it's about a, a little under mile. Um, and that's rated compared to the other trails in Hawaii. Um, and the thing you got to know when that first, we first started doing geocaches in Hawaii, there weren't very many of them. And almost all of them were out on trails. Um, there was one, it was a H3 overlook trail. We walked up a ridge for four hours to get that cache and then back down the ridge for four hours to get that cache. So that was, that was certainly not a one, but compared to that or compared to ones where you're walking along a, a, the top of a ridge where it's a hundred foot fall off two feet from me on the right-hand side, it really is a one terrain for Hawaii and for the rest of the things there. Now with all of the, the what we call bankers closed caches, ones you could you could jump out of your car in the clothes you went to your bank job at and get and still be good with it and everything, it's probably closer to a two or a two and a half terrain, uh, honestly. Um, it didn't used to be, but it is, it is now. <laughs> it looks like geogerms maybe it changed the terrain. Yeah, probably so. Probably in, in relation to those um, those complaints and the fact that this landscape of geocaching has changed in those 20 years that um, when I first wandered out there. And I was 20 years younger. Yeah, it'd be awesome to be 20 years younger. That, at least that's it would be for me. Well, those early caches were almost always pretty significant hikes. Uh, have you been to Missouri's oldest cache yet? It is like a, you park your car and walk 50 steps. It's pretty simple. I have not. We'll put that one on your list. It's easy enough. You could wait another 20 years before you go and get it if you wanted to. <laughs> well, you've been back in Arkansas for 10 or 11 years. Have you enjoyed the caching now that you're back? I have. 
we took kind of a decade off from geocaching. We, when we first got here, we did a, a, a several rounds of geocaching and found some caches, got due to doing other things and kind of laid off of it. Took a trip to Italy with a friend of ours and got a geocache in Italy. Um, but for the most part, for this last 10 years until very recently, we've kind of been on a hiatus of it. Um, during the Christmas break, that first Saturday of my Christmas break from school, I ran across an article it called Quilt Trails in Arkansas. And it's quilt squares painted on the sides of barns and stuff. And so we ran around on one sa that Saturday looking for those. And about halfway through the trip, my wife, who was driving while I was navigating, says, oh, this is just like geocaching. And go, yeah, we had a lot of fun at that. And so we picked it back up again um, just a couple of three weeks ago. Wow. I cannot imagine not geocaching for 10 years. My friends would think something was wrong with me, and my wife would be asking me when I was going to leave. Are you going to be here all day? Don't you need to go geocaching? So anyway, you're back at it. That's awesome. We currently have our daughter's two dogs while she's deployed. Uh, so we take them out and we'll go find the cache. Then we'll get them out of the car and let them walk around and do their sniffing thing for a while. And we'll do six or eight in a day, um, I guess, to get out of the house. Uh, it's a, co a good COVID type of activity because you don't really run into anybody else out there. Well, that's the truth. I, I was out yesterday caching with some friends, and I think it was the first time in months that I had actually cached with other human beings. It felt really good. I missed that. We, uh, I mean, my wife and I, whose uh, geo name is uh, Copper Indian, uh, cache all the time. When we were in Hawaii, we had a third party, uh, Happa Wilson, who also cached with us and all the time, we formed what we loosely called Team Anomaly, and we would regularly go out together. Um, for whatever reason, I guess because there were fewer caches at that time, we used to run into people on the trails all the time that were looking for the same uh, cache we were. Well, hopefully this year we're going to get back out on the trails and back to events and see other geocachers again. You've been back for a few weeks. Do you have a cache that stands out for you as something that you found, you know, fun or interesting? I do. And it, it's called Bethlehem Cemetery. And it's kind of out south of Morrow there, pretty close to Morrow. Um, and it's my current favorite because the people that planted and hid the cache did an absolutely brilliant job of disguising the container. So much so that I, I actually had the cash in my hand twice before I understood that that was the cash. Um, that it, was, it wasn't just something else that was in that area that I was moving to look for the cash, that I actually had the cash in my hand. Um, I picked it up and put it down twice, didn't realize it, picked it up the third time. Uh, and actually, Copper Indian's the one that said, that's the cash you have in your hand. <laughs> and then you feel like a, a total dunderhead because you're there with it in your hand and you haven't realized you've made the find at that time. I tried to find it. There's a lot of Bethlehem uh, Cemetery geocaches. Do you have the GC number for that one? Its, it's number is GC8K5DV. And do you like cemetery caches as a rule? Uh, Copper Indian really likes cemetery caches. Um, I... 
I like caches that I like the navigation problem getting to them. And I like the ones that are very cleverly hidden that do take me a little bit of time to sit there and figure out exactly what the cache is or where it's hidden and everything. I am, I'm also not real fond of piles of rocks. Um, in winter, they're not too bad. In summer, I'm standing there looking at their going, snake, snake, snake. <laughs> I know. That's where they live, right? Exactly. Well, thanks for mentioning piles of rocks. You know, I, we had a conversation uh, that happened that didn't get recorded today where I mentioned how I didn't care for those. So thanks for sticking up for me or with me there. Let me, let me make a recommendation for you. Just north of the Arkansas border as you come into Missouri, there's a town called Neosho, Missouri, and there's a geocacher there. Uh, they're called Brandy Jack, and he is an engineer and hides some really fun geocaches. Uh, they're mainly uh, physical puzzles, not so much mystery type puzzles, but everything you can think. Very creative. He has literally littered the landscape of Neosho with awesome caches. So that would be a great place to get to. What was his name again? Those caches are hidden under the name Brandy Jack, B-R-A-N-D-Y-J-A-C-K. His name is neither Brandy nor Jack. <laughs> They're a really nice family. Brandy is the wife. Jack is the son. And Joe is the one that hides the geocaches and does a lot of the geocaching. But he just, uh, he honestly didn't want to start geocaching when they did. They created their name and it just never has changed. Well, listen, uh, what else should we know before we go? I just, you know, I've listened to several of your podcasts over the last couple of days just to see what the, the tone and everything is. And I know that everybody has a list of things they don't like doing, but that's the great thing about geocaching. No matter what your interest is in it or what your commitment level is in it, there's a room for you out there in the game. If all you want to do is step out of your car, take two steps, find something that's almost out in plain sight, it's there. If you want to spend 14 days trying to do the math puzzle of a puzzle check, uh, cash, it's there. If you want to do a heinous hike, they're there. If you want to go around and see a type of, of place or object, those caches are out there too. There's room for it. And with the app on your phone now, you don't need a GPS. It's basically a free sport minus the gas. All you need to do is pay for the gas to cruise around and you can be involved in the sport as, as much as you want to. Um, that's the, the great thing about it. Make sure you do the logs as a, as a cash owner. Those logs are important to keep people wanting to plant caches out there, I think. So uh, make sure once you find it, go ahead and do the log on it. Um, be funny in the logs. Yeah, appreciate the efforts that people went to do this. The, the Bethlehem catch, it's obvious from the catch container that that person went to a lot of trouble to make that a, a good a good hide and a, an entertaining hide once you found it. Because uh, once you found it, you're going, really? <laughs> How did I miss it that many times? I guess that would be all I would say. Um, Copper Indian's on our way down the hill, and we're about to go out and find some caches along the middle fork of the, west, uh, the White River this morning uh, and see what we can do out there. Sounds beautiful. We sure enjoyed having you on the show, and I hope to meet you out in the world geocaching someday. 
thank you. Thank you for having me. And um, I appreciate what you're doing for the community and for the game. Wow, that was fun. You know, I, I love hearing these stories about what it was like way back when. And I and I mean way back when in geocaching times, not in, you know, olden days. But imagine grabbing a three-gallon bucket from a hardware store and hiking in flip-flops in the Hawaiian hills on a trail and tying that bucket to a tree before anyone knew what was going to happen with the sport and waiting seven months and no one finding it. And then imagine fast forwarding up to today, 20 years later, and how much the sport has evolved. Uh, Owner and creator of GC23, we all applaud you and as well as all the early placers of geocaches. On our last episode, we talked about Uh, geocache is going extinct. I hope this one never does, but I'm telling you, get out there and find these older caches. Now, you know what we should do, right? That's right. We should all go geocaching. Now, stop listening to this, and if you're not already in your car, get in your car and go find some geocaches, or even better, go hide some geocaches for me to find. See you next time. (laughs) Let's go geocaching.